High School Slumber Party is brought to you by the Cage Club Podcast Network. For all things Cage Club related, head on over to cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me. Welcome, goth chicks, nerdy guys, the head of the school paper, that kind of cool drug dealer, and of course, special shout out to that jock on the football team, maybe not in that order, but whatever. This is High School Slumber Party, the podcast where me and some friends look back at our teenage years through the lens of some iconic high school-centric films. I'm Brian Rodriguez, and the party's at my place this evening, but first... School's still in session, and we have some homework to chat about. This was your assignment, and I would like to see the results. Your homework, of course, as always, is to hit that subscribe button wherever you're listening to this podcast, whether it be Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, or, of course, Apple Podcasts. And while you're there, leave us a five-star rating, write us a review, and maybe most importantly, tell a friend about all the great things that happen on High School Slumber Party. Oh, and of course, remember, you can check out our archive at cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me, the home of so many other wonderful, wonderful podcasts. All right, let's talk your realsies homework. Let's talk about it. Did you like Monday's episode on a horror classic? Of course, we talked a Nightmare on Elm Street, the original Freddy Krueger movie. It was awesome. Loved speaking to Mike Manzi. Loved speaking to Dan Cologne. They're both great horror consultants for each other. They got a new show coming out. Go to cageclub.me to find more information on that. The Monsters That Made Us. It's going to be about Universal Monsters. Speaking of Universal Monsters, of course, we covered the, the Monster Squad the other day. Not technically a Universal film, but certainly used those Universal Monsters archetypes. So check that out, of course, as well at cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me. So much to talk about, so much to share, but I won't do it. My colleague Brian Rodriguez will. Let's throw it to a nice and wonderful segment of high school movie news. This is Brian Rodriguez with High School Movie News. And a sad bit of news to start our High School Movie News segment today. Of course, this week we lost the legendary Eddie Van Halen. Of course, you know, 
the lifeblood of Van Halen, but so many other things. One of the greatest, if not the greatest, rock guitarist of all time. We've talked about Eddie Van Halen here. Of course, he's a god to Bill and Ted and Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. While I agree that in time our band will be most triumphant, the truth is Wild Stallions will never be a super band until we have Eddie Van Halen on guitar. Yes, Bill, but I do not believe we will get Eddie Van Halen until we have a triumphant video. Ted, it's pointless to have a triumphant video before we even have decent instruments. Well, how can we have decent instruments if we don't really even know how to play? That is why we need Eddie Van Halen. And that is why we need a triumphant video. Excellent! But I think somewhat forgotten is Eddie Van Halen's contribution to another 80s high school film. And I'm talking about, of course, the first film we ever covered on High School Slumber Party. And that's Better Off Dead. If you're fans of Better Off Dead, you know that burger scene with everybody wants some. So good. So awesome. When I think of shredding that old guitar, I think of Eddie Van Halen. Rest in power, Eddie Van Halen. Not just an innovator in music, but someone so influential in the teen films of certainly the 80s. I'm sure the 90s. But the teenage experience overall. So yeah, rest in power, my man. Rest in power. Oh, by the way, speaking of Better Off Dead, of course, that is a John Cusack film. Let me tell you a little story. On the first days of high school slumber party. I'm a big John Cusack fan. That's why we covered Better Off Dead first. I, or the other Brian Rodriguez, or whatever, the High School Slumber Party Twitter account tweeted at John Cusack and said, Hey, John Cusack, how come you don't like Better Off Dead? Because that was the old legend. And he blocked us. And he still has blocked us till this day. Womp, womp. Whatever. I've forgiven him. But he was actually on WTF with Mark Marin which Joey chastises me, Joey Lewandowski, the godfather of the Cage Club Podcast Network, but he chastises me every day if I bring him up because I did not realize he was in Almost Famous, and his line in Almost Famous, Lock the Gates, is the first line of the podcast, and I didn't put two and two together. Whatever, I digress. John Cusack was on Mark Marin, a rare interview. I listened to it. It was a great interview. Unfortunately, he does not talk a lot about his younger days, his younger work, his high school film days, unfortunately. He mentions it here or there. He mentions that he's kind of, you know, a trained actor in Chicago at the time, even though he's a teenager, but he's one of the only ones, and he kind of gets his break on these teen movies that start to explode in the 80s, especially filmed around the Chicago area. Not just John Hughes films, other films, and that's how he kind of got his start. But that's what he left it at, and you can tell listening to him why he doesn't talk about that. 
He's a perfectionist. He doesn't like to talk about the past too much. And even at the time, he was this brooding guy who wanted to make the perfect film. The other high school slumber party note from the WTF interview is, I think, like, he goes into something that's, well, Con Air related. Hashtag Kate Hudson. Hashtag Cage Club on this podcast network. But... That whole thing where you know that Danny Trejo says John Cusack was the biggest badass on Con Air and everyone questioned why? Well, he kind of answered it, and it relates to Say Anything, believe it or not. So on Say Anything, that's around when he was getting into kickboxing, which we discussed on the Say Anything episode. Check that out at cageclub.me or wherever you get your podcast. But that's when he got into kickboxing, and he legitimately trained and was training at least up until the time of Con Air and training with this legit badass master who was from Danny Trejo's neighborhood. And he hypothesizes that Danny Trejo probably talked to this guy and was like, no, John Cusack can kick my ass or at least stand toe to toe with me. And it's the truth. Cusack says he was like in the best shape of his life on Con Air. So believe it or not, it's not because he was an asshole or a jerk. He legitimately could kick anyone's ass on set. (laughs) That's crazy to think about. But yeah, check out that WTF with Mark Marin and John Cusack. It's amazing. More high school movie news. We got a big, big, big news segment today. So bear with me. So I didn't get a chance to watch Vampires vs. the Bronx. I watched the trailer, but my cousin watched it. No, not my cousin Pumpkin, but my cousin Michael Conrad. There's an argument who's the crazier cousin, Pumpkin or Michael Conrad. Who knows? Maybe we'll have them both on one day. That might be fun. But he told me Vampires vs. the Bronx was awesome, that it was inclusive, lots of Dominicans in it. I gotta watch it. I can't wait to watch it. I love silly films like that, but apparently it's pretty cool. I really, really can't wait to watch it. Another film making waves. It's a film that hasn't come out yet. And maybe this is more of a conversation for the third time's a charm man, Mike Manzi. But Spider-Man 3, and I'm talking about like the Spider-Man, the Tom Holland Spider-Man 3, is ah, so many crazy rumors. I can't wait for it. Apparently it is still in high school. Apparently they're shooting again in my favorite borough of Queens. And apparently Jamie Foxx is in it. Apparently, Andrew Garfield's going to be in it. Apparently, Tobey Maguire's going to be in it. Apparently, Doctor Strange is going to be in it. So we're going to cross over all the other Spider-Man worlds. If that happens, we're probably going to have to do a Spider-Man month because I've kind of avoided the other Spider-Mans on this podcast because... Not Into the Spider-Verse. We're going to cover that. But the other ones because I feel like they've been deleted with the Tom Holland one. Forget about it. We're going to talk about all of them at some point because... If they're brought into this Spider-Man multiverse, oh, it's all relevant. And I think they're all high school movies. Wait, Spider-Man 3? No, some of them are in college, right? A couple of them are high school movies. We'll cover the high school movies. That's for sure. I think that's it today for high school movie news. Let me check my notes, but it was a big, long, juicy, juicy segment. Oh, one more thing. I just was scrolling Netflix and I said I had to talk about this. Apparently there's a new, new, new American Pie movie that just came out. It's called American Pie Girls Rule. Now this isn't in like the canon three or four American Pie films, I should say. American Pie, American Pie 2, American Pie, what, American Wedding is the third one, an American Reunion or American Pie Reunion. I don't know. Those are like the canon Jason Biggs ones, we'll call it. Of course they made off these spinoffs. I think there's nine in total. Or this is the ninth. But yeah, if any of you have seen 
American Pie Girls Rule on Netflix? Let me know. It was in the Netflix top 10, so I feel like I had to answer it. Well, this has been another wonderful segment from me, Brian Rodriguez, High School Movie News. Let's kick it back to Brian Rodriguez. Wow, what an action-packed edition of High School Movie News. And my bad, because it's like, what, 12 minutes in, and I haven't mentioned what today's movie is? We're talking The Faculty, and of course, your homework was to watch The Faculty, and wow, everyone's excited about this one, I'll tell you. I didn't really realize the stay power of this film. I really enjoyed it, spoiler alert, and my guest did too. His name is Dan Hayden or better known as The Duke, and you'll find out why in today's episode. First time guest, but we're definitely going to have him on again. Hope he had fun. I know I had fun. But wow, I got to mention something before we start. The love for Elijah Wood? I didn't realize it was there. Apparently, all these people had crushes on Elijah Wood growing up. I had no idea. I mean, whatever. He was the kid in Flipper, and then Deep Impact, and this, and of course, Frodo Baggins from Lord of the Rings. But wow, I mean, props to all you Elijah Wood stands out there. Love it. And we got some Josh Hartnett love on our social media as well. There were some people who were kind of debating that Josh Hartnett versus Elijah Wood thing, which I didn't even know existed. But yeah, we'll talk about it. Unfortunately, someone asked if we talk about Josh Hartnett's weird hair in the film. We don't. But I mentioned it now. I hope that counts. <laughs> but yeah, we're talking the faculty today as we continue our spooky October months. And by the way, I recorded this episode in the summer, so there's no like allusions to Halloween. But I don't know. I liked it. I felt like it was so good that it belonged in the pantheon of scary films we were going to talk about. Whoa, whoa, come on. The bell doesn't dismiss you. I dismiss you. When will you get that through your thick skulls, guys? You're juniors now. Come on. I thought you were better than that. (laughs) Anyway, sorry, just saw waiting on Netflix while editing. Anyway, I should let you get to our slumber party, right? But just wanted to remind you, as I was talking about social media, you can follow us on social media. Twitter, Instagram, forgot the name of it for a second, and Facebook. So... Without further ado, pack your favorite jammies, tell your mother you're sleeping over Brian's, because we're about to get our party on. I leave you with a song from the faculty soundtrack. It is by The Offspring, and it is called The Kids Aren't Alright. Class dismissed.
So I feel like it's kind of rare these days that we have a first-time guest, but I, I love having them because we get to ask the tough high school questions, and I, I can't wait to do that today. But Dan, let me uh, let me lead you in and let you know how we introduce ourselves here on High School Slumber Party. We say our name, our high school graduating class optional because we don't want to be ageist, but high school team name. Yeah, and that's it. I am Dan the Duke Hayden, and uh, I graduated in uh, 2006. I started my high school campaign uh, my freshman year as a Don Bosco Iron Man. Did not like that one bit. And uh, <laughs> uh, this is actually interesting. I ended up, um, well, I finished my high school career as a Pascac Valley mascot, currently unknown. Oh, yes. If you don't know, I did graduate with our mascot that is uh, very racially insensitive. And uh, this day and age, somehow, with all of the things happening in our world, powers that be decided it was finally time to make a change. So my mascot was the Pascac Valley, currently not having a mascot. Wow, that's pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> I know pe- most people don't know that, but I kind of knew that because I grew up in Old Japan, just a town mm-hmm. over. So we played you guys, what, what. And yes, so we'll say mascot redacted and probably rightfully so, considering... Yeah. <laughs> yes, 100% agreed. <laughs> but uh, awesome. Great to hear. You know, we have a similar upbringing, I'm sure. So that's cool. And then you went to Don Bosco. And for those of you out there who don't know, Don Bosco is like the prominent Catholic prep school in our area. One of them. One of them, yes. And decided it wasn't for you. Why is that? Um, well, my brother went the full four years to Don Bosco prep. And I don't know how I was able to get in. Maybe because my brother went. I don't know. Uh, but yeah. Catholic school, not not really my thing, it uh, turns out. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. So what were you like in high school then? And I learned about this a little bit on Third Time's a Charm, where we met at least via the internet. Thank you, Mike Manzi, for that. But first, tell me, what was your high school experience like? And then tell me, why does everyone call you the Duke? Oh, well, the Duke thing started in high school, but it evolved from a stage name I had. I did a lot of singer-songwriter stuff. I was in a whole bunch of different bands. I was kind of like, I don't want to call myself like a pop punk or like a goth kid, but you know, I I walked around my Nine Inch Nails t-shirt and, you know, painted my (laughs) fingernails black and you know, I was, I was, I was the nice gothy punk kid. I always wanted to be friends with everybody and talk to everybody, but you know, yeah, I guess, I guess I kind of had that like rough exterior look to me, but yeah, I had the stage name for my singer-songwriter stuff that, you know, ran the gambit between, like, hip-hop comedy and, you know, actual serious singer-songwriter stuff. I wasn't that good. Let's just put it that way. It wasn't fantastic. (laughs) But, yeah, I I like to play shows, and I did it all under the stage name of this character, the Duke of Stash. Which is an awesome stage name. Thank you. Thank you. I still still use it in some capacity, like when I do podcasts. Well, it's it's funny because when I was on what did oh that's why I don't remember we talked Beverly Hills Cop three yes <laughs> yes <Mike Manzi's laughs> oh god I'm like what movie. did we talk <laughs> shout out to Mike <laughs> and um, I was speaking to the Podfather of the network Joey Lewandowski before it and he's like oh who's doing that with you I was like some some dude named Dan and he's like Who, who's that and uh, I'm like. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know. I thought you knew him. I thought he's been on your show before. He's like, oh, Duke, yeah. I'm like, whoa. So this is not just like a, a little silly thing that's thrown around. Like there are people who mostly know you from that name. I'd say it's a cop. Like like high school, it was the handful of people that only knew me through my music stuff 
knew me as Dan or Duke, but college, you know, because in high school, Pasquick Valley, it's half Hillsdale and half Riverville with like a little Woodcliffe Lake and stuff like that. So, you know, everyone kind of knew me already before I adapted that mm-hmm. stage name. So I was Dan to everybody. But college, I mean, I kind of hit the ground running. And I was on the like the frisbee team, and you know I was doing my open mic <laughs> stuff like in the That's quad awesome. and crap like that. And so like I actually think there are probably people that I met in college that don't know my real name. Seems like it. <laughs> yeah, I mean Joey that... knows my real name. I guess he forgot. I mean, he obviously he knows your real name, but. <laughs> <laughs> I think to him it's more that's not the first thing he thinks. Like if he sees your face, he thinks Duke rather than Dan. I would love to earn something like that. I'll just put it that way. That's pretty cool. I like my nickname. I'm not so proud of the music that really like I would not encourage anybody to go look up my music. (laughs) If it isn't terrible because I really don't have much of a voice, I'd say that some of my music was made more for like shock value. And doesn't really translate well anymore. I wouldn't go to an open mic and perform my crap anymore. <laughs> Even to a group of people that had adored my music back in the day. Like people, like people, the other open mic people. Because, you know, you go, you go to an open mic crowd. And that was a huge part of my high school experience, man, was meeting other musicians. And, like, you literally go to a place every other week and sing everybody's original songs with each other. You just get to that rapport. Wow, that's awesome. Did you know Cool Beans in Oradell? I was just going to say, like, so that's really funny because when you mentioned open mics, I was like, I wonder if you did it at Cool Beans. Cool Beans was the shit back in the day. Does that place still exist? Cool Beans unfortunately shut its doors uh, several months ago, my friend. No! All right, yeah. Cool Beans. So that's where you I did know. your open mics? That, that was one of the places. There's actually a bunch of places. Uh, there was, a, at the time, I think it's an ice cream shop now there was bean town and allendale that was a huge thing um and a couple couple of others but those were like the two predominant open mics that i did uh bean town was like once a week and cool beans was every other sunday i remember the cool beans scene again what a cool place obviously it's in the name but uh, <laughs> <laughs> looking back a really on point name but still i mean that's awesome that's a really cool high school experience is this something um i guess where did you fall on the high school social ladder if you had to assess your time at Pascack Valley looking back? Oh, man. Well, I would define it very much by the year I spent at Don Bosco. I was not a cool kid in elementary school or middle school. I had my group of friends. I got picked on a little. You know, I'm not, not ashamed to say it. I was, I was a little bit of a nerd. I wasn't the most athletic kid growing up. And then eighth grade, you know, I was kind of slipping into like that weird, like, stranger look. And then I disappeared to Don Bosco for months and months and months. And, you know, I met a new group of friends. I got a cool girlfriend, all of which were going to Pasquick Valley at the time. And I come back sophomore year and I look different. I've got a lot more confidence. I've got a lot more friends. I finally found a group of people that I, I really love spending time with. And I think it kind of opened the door for me socially, like, a, a little bit. I I definitely feel like when I came back, if it wasn't the the high school experience, you know, that people kind of we have a, we had a pretty cool class. People kind of come together a little bit more, maybe in high school. But I felt like there wasn't anybody in the grade that intimidated me. I felt like I could walk by anybody in the hallways and say hello. 
you know? That's awesome. I love that. It sounds like a movie in itself. You know, you go away for a year, come back, and you're like, <laughs> you're the Duke now, and you're like rocking it. That's awesome. I love it. Oh, man. I, I actually don't think the Duke thing was an actual thing until like junior year. I came back and I was still Dan to these people, but I was It, it like works for the movie, dance. okay? All right. I'll see that movie. <laughs> <laughs> we got to change a little bit of the facts for the film. Yes, but in real life, maybe the timeline doesn't line up. But in my mind, that's how it went down. So. <laughs> <laughs> but that's awesome. I mean, that that's really, really cool. I, I love speaking with you on Beverly Hills Cop 3. Again, it was a shame it was that film. But wanted to bring you on this podcast as a late uh, arrival, I guess, you know, maybe maybe you took the year off high school slumber party as well, or two years, and now you're coming in. You didn't have much of a, I don't want to say you didn't have much of a choice. We've got plenty of great films to do, but we've already covered a lot of the classics here. So I was like, is there anything, anything you want to talk about that we haven't covered already or doesn't have a claim, perhaps? And um, I, I don't know, you originally you were like, oh, give me a list. And I was going to give you a list, but then you're like, have you covered the faculty? And... It's like, no. So I was like, let's do that. So I'll ask, why the faculty? What's your connection to the movie? When was the first time you saw it? Let me know. I want to say I saw this movie at like a sleepover or somebody's house after it came out on DVD. I like this movie a lot. I think it's really, really kind of underknown. Like I, I talked to like six or seven different people in passing that I was I was going to be a guest on a show for a podcast about this movie. And only one of them knew what the movie I was talking about was. Wow. Yeah. And he, he was on the older side, uh, a little bit older than I am, but uh, not too, too much older. Maybe, I think two other friends, they just didn't comment on it. But yeah, I mentioned this to like four other people in passing, and they're like, what's the faculty? And I'm like, you see the faculty, man? That's awesome. It's Elijah Wood and, and all these Femke's in there and John Stewart's in there. And it's, it's fantastic. And I, had, I hadn't seen it in a long time, and I was just kind of looking up, just kind of blowing through my head of different high school movies. Obviously, there were some, like you were saying, there were some choices on your list that are just my all-time favorites that you've already done. So I just kind of looking through, I'm like, did I see the faculty on this list? And I double-checked it again. I'm like, can we do that? <laughs> and that's kind of the only reason why I picked it is because I like the movie. I remember it fondly. And uh, I saw it wasn't on your list. Awesome. I mean, and I can't wait to talk about it. But quick segue, what are some of your uh, favorite high school films that maybe we have covered already? Oh, man. The two quintessential high school movies for me will always be, number one, Bring It On. Oh, we just did that too, yeah. <laughs> and number two, Days to Confused. With awesome. honorable mention to Ferris Bueller's Day Off and Starship Troopers. I think we covered all those in our yeah in our sophomore year though so we had a yeah that that was cool all great movies all you know cool influences bring it on i guess is the most recent one we've done of those but good stuff all good films there god we've covered a lot of movies here and we still have so much to go i love it but it also scares me (laughs) this is quite an undertaking for you my friend i didn't think it would i was like oh yeah maybe that'll be like a couple years there can't be that many Ooh. And they make more and more every year. And then streaming started happening. And (laughs) Netflix throws out a million high school films and all the other services. So originally, I'm a completist. And I was going to be like, let me do them all. That's not not happening. (laughs) So we're just going to have fun until I pass out. Or something happens in my life, like a child, perhaps, where I 
can't be devoting this much time to high school films, but I might still try. I'm going to try, goddammit. I will tell you, having a child does not stop you from doing podcasts. Though I'm not editing the podcast, so I'll let you know. When I get my own podcast and start editing it, I will tell you if my child gets in the way of doing that. Be my inspiration, please, because I, I want to I want to be able to say I can do that, you know? <laughs> <laughs> So The Faculty, I'm kind of in a similar boat as you. I hadn't seen this movie in a really long time. I saw it, not when it came out, because certainly, what is it, 98? I certainly did (laughs) not see it in 98, but maybe 2000, you know? Maybe 2001? No, probably 2000, I think. I think I was pretty, you know, young. I didn't retain almost anything from it because once I saw this cast today, I was like, oh, my God, this person's in it? Or, oh, my God, this person's in it? You know, (laughs) that happened a lot today watching the film. I'm kind of surprised that it's not as known as I thought it was with uh, the director and all the actors. And I guess when you're young, you're watching more commercials and more of these things come on the radar. But I don't think it maybe had the stay power in the mainstream like – I don't know, maybe it should have, but can't wait to dive into it and see what your uh, thoughts are. But every week before diving in, I read the back of DVD, VHS. You said you saw it likely on DVD, so I found a picture of the DVD online, so I will read it now. This hip and edgy thriller from the director of Dust Till Dawn and the writer of Scream and Scream 2 sizzles with a hot young cast, including Elijah Wood, Josh Hartnett, and R&B superstar Usher Raymond. (laughs) Really? Third lead usher? Anyway. (laughs) You can tell when this DVD was printed. Uh, When some very creepy things start happening around school, the kids of Harrington High make a chilling discovery that confirms their worst suspicions. Their teachers really are from another planet. As mind-controlling parasites rapidly begin spreading from the faculty to the student bodies, it's ultimately up to the few who are left, an unlikely collection of loners, leaders, nerds and jocks to save the world from alien domination short and sweet again the usher thing made me laugh because yes usher is in this film but i wouldn't he's probably not even the 10th most important person in this movie so i don't know why he's on the it's his first movie and i at the time do you remember like the end of the 90s and usher dude usher was like the boss usher oh, was yeah. everywhere I actually really like a lot of Usher's music from that time period. But like the fact that he was in a movie was probably, I I don't know what, because I don't really remember, but the fact that he was going to be in a movie was probably mind blowing at the time. (laughs) And it's funny because uh, I didn't remember that he was in this film, but I did remember that he's in She's All That, which probably around the same time. And he, he would pop in these movies here and there, but yeah, I mean, for, for them to put him on the back of the DVD like this, it must have really, really, really meant something that Usher was in this movie. I wonder how much he got paid to be in this movie. Who knows? <laughs> to say, like, nothing. He's got, like, not many lines in this movie. And again, I've seen him. He has popped in other movies from time to time. Like I said, she's all that. And he often does something musical. He's not musical in this. He's just, like, a dude. <laughs> you know, he's just a, a football player. So very interesting, but cool. Whatever. I'm not going to complain. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about the production before we get into the cast, and then we'll hit on all the great things that happen in this movie. Two guys named David Welcher and Bruce Kimmel wrote the first draft of the script, and this was one of these scripts that was just on people's desks, on someone's table, but no one really cared about it. 
Scream, arguably, as I've learned from this podcast, is probably the most or one of the most influential teen films to ever come out because Scream made money. Look, a lot of great teen movies came out in the 90s, but the studio-backed ones were not so common. Look, you, you have your Clueless. You have some other stuff that got critically acclaimed, but it wasn't like the 80s where they were just launching this stuff left and right. There was a real cooling off period in the mid-90s to late 90s when it came to teen films. A lot of indie films, but nothing that was like... Studios weren't putting their money behind it. Screen comes out, and suddenly everyone wants horror scripts, everyone wants teen scripts, and if you can combine both, great. And (laughs) our friends at the Weinstein Company, and I obviously say that very not seriously they're not our friends but yes <laughs> um they had the script they bought the script and they're like let's finally make this thing and as hollywood is they can't be like oh let's uh just shoot as is they said hey screenwriter kevin williamson can you keep the story but redo the entire dialogue so it sounds more like scream and he said of course so he did a rewrite of the entire film to make it more Scream-esque, if you will. He was offered the director role, but he declined it because he wanted to shoot his own movie that he wrote, Teaching Mrs. Tingle, which we'll cover on this podcast. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, so interesting choice there. So uh, the Weinsteins brought in Robert Rodriguez, who is just hot, as it, we as I read before, off Dust Till Dawn. But this is pre uh robert rodriguez's like tarantino stuff or and also before spy kids he directed these movies but he hadn't really he wasn't a name to everyone in america we'll put it that way right but you know texas guy he got the permission to shoot in texas just outside austin you see uh the town was called lockhart texas you see a lot of that texas influence well it's not like varsity blues like people in cowboy hats and stuff like that it is like football's a big deal in this town, and that's actually their football stadium. And uh, they used a lot of the actual stuff from that high school. Even though the high school's not named the same, it was shot on location at the high school uh, as much as possible for realism rather than on a soundstage. With all that being said, <laughs> I think we're going to spend a decent amount on this cast today because, wow, in terms of just like, I, like I said, I did not remember all these people are in this film. Let, let me just... Read them off, and if we if you have anything you want to say about anyone or notes, go right ahead. But I could try and and toss in what stereotype they're going for for each character. No, never mind. <laughs> hey, if you want, no. <laughs> so we have Elijah Wood as our lead. This is pre Lord of the Rings. Elijah Wood, yeah. So he plays Casey Connor, Josh Hartnett in prime Josh Hartnett. <laughs> you know, he had a run where he was certainly an A lister and. This is like early in that run, and he plays Zeke. It was Clea great. Duvall, who I really like, is in this film playing Stokely. We talked about her a lot on this podcast, in, but I'm a cheerleader, and she'll appear again. And again, we'll talk more about these people's characters as we go along. Just want to run through quickly. Mm-hmm. Jordana Brewster, uh, this is her first film role. Just shout out to the guys at Too Fast, Too Forever, because she'll go on to do a lot in the, the Fast and Furious franchise, that's for sure. Were you familiar with the person who played Mary Beth, Laura Harris? I feel like she was on like a TV show or something that I had seen. 
Oh, she was on Dead Like Me. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. She hasn't done as much as I thought she did. She had a really familiar face. I think she looks familiar from this movie to me. (laughs) Maybe that's why. Again, not going to go through everyone, but let's... Oh, Robert Patrick as Coach Joe Willis. T-1000. Yeah, T-1000, I was going to say. Yeah. Woo! He's great as a coach. Like, he is an intimidating coach. (laughs) (laughs) I always say this person's name wrong, but... Famke Jansen? Famke Jansen? Yeah, close enough. <laughs> she played uh, Miss Burke. I remember from like the original X-Men movies, she was Jean Grey. But she's in a ton of stuff. Mm-hmm. If you see her face, you'll know her, guys. I always think of her as um, uh, Xenia on the top from GoldenEye. Oh, yeah! Yeah. <laughs> I forgot about that, too. Yeah, awesome. BB Newerth, I'm a Cheers fan. Great to see. <laughs> yep. That was a random one. Um, she's the principal. Let's see who else. A bunch of people. We mentioned Usher. Oh, you mentioned him before. John Stewart is in this film. I didn't remember that. Yeah, John Stewart. Teacher. Like in in the heyday of of the Daily Show. Yeah. If we don't cover this, I'll just mention it now. But I really could not take him seriously when he gets like evil and mean. You know, I just pictured like a sarcastic comment or something. I'm not saying he was bad. It's just I'm so used to not actor John Stewart. You know. Shouldn't you people be in class? Well, it's like this, Mr. Furlong. Casey here, he thinks you're an alien. <laughs> really? The whole faculty, actually. Is that true? Casey? The, uh, the thing. I found yesterday. Where is it? I sent it to the university. Do they know what it is? Look, sorry to impose and disrupt, Mr. Furlong, but if you kindly take your seats, this will be over quite quickly. Now sit down! Well, he got bit by the thing, and he's like, damn it. It's like, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, they, they, they didn't give him much. For, no. for him being like a really fun, sarcastic comedian, they didn't give him very much in particular to do. No. <laughs> no. Um, let's see. Oh, Sal- Salma Hayek's in this film. Talk about not getting much for a very talented actor. Uh, yep. She's the nurse. <laughs> oh, Danny Masterson. Again, not someone on a positive list these days. No, but do you see his credit? His credit for the casting um, messed up number one. I have it says on on That's Google. What I have F apostrophe percent sign ampersand up number one. Oh my god, I don't have that. Let me see. <laughs> Maybe they changed it in later things, but wow, okay. Maybe <laughs> <laughs> because messed up. I guess that's like the more PC version of that. <laughs> okay, G- good to know. Oh, the dad. <laughs> Christopher McDonald. I'm like, where do I know this guy? I'm like, why is this guy? Shooter McGavin. Shooter McGavin. Yeah. I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> that was bothering me so much. I should have known right away. And once I looked up, like, oh my God, I'm an idiot. Yes, Shooter McGavin is the dad. This is a cast, people. And there's probably people I didn't even mention. Is there anyone off that like long list that that you wanted to point out? Oh man. The guy who plays Stan, Sean. Oh my gosh. Houtsy? Oh yeah. 
Patosi, I guess I don't know. He's like in everything from that time period. Yeah, you're right. Now I'm struggling to think about what he's in, but I, I feel like he was in everything I saw when I was a kid. Like I don't see much that I know him from, but I know I know this guy. Yeah, like maybe he had like a TV show that's not on here because now now I'm looking at it and looking. <laughs> right. I remember him briefly in in Bad Lieutenant, Port of Call, New Orleans, but I just oh I just, yeah, I just recently rewatched that. Um, well, he doesn't really do too much anymore. Huh? No. I'm trying to remember what character he plays in in and out I don't remember him either from a guy thing, but I, th- these are all movies I've seen. Oh, oh, the post. I remember him in The Postman. He's one of, like, the kids who joins Kevin Costner's postage staff. Oh. <laughs> That's a good call. Haven't seen that one in a while. You don't need to see that one ever again. <laughs> Guys out there, if you know where this dude is from, then we're forgetting it. Please let me know. Yes. Maybe, again, it could be something where, like, I remember him from this mostly, and I just, you know, I don't remember my remembering of him. <laughs> I don't know. But that's what it comes down to, man. I mean, this this movie, for all intents and purposes, just has an incredible cast. Like, looking back, this is a really interesting list of people that are in this movie. and And maybe that's why we're having trouble struggling like where do we know this person from it's because we know them from this it's very possible it's very possible um one more person i did want to mention is a uh, kidada jones rashida jones sister quincy jones daughter had a, apparently a prominent role in this film but she was literally cut out of the entire movie i don't know why i can't find out why but interesting to note don't like seeing a person of color being cut out of a film but I digress. I don't know what happened there. Just wanted to bring it up. If any of you guys know what happened, let me know. Big cast, but let's get into some of your favorite parts here. Uh, We can go chronologically or we could go whatever. Um, It opens up, I think, with like an Offspring song. And the first moments are just kind of like the football stuff, right? Yeah, it's funny because they they open up with the football team and, you know, the coach screaming at them. By the way, I now understand the whole scream guy coming in to redo the cast. There's some very colorful language in this film that I did not remember. Yes, I 100% agree on that. Um, This coach says some stuff. Yeah, well, everybody says some stuff. This is a very, this movie suffers from a lot of the problems of that generation that sometimes the shit coming out of your mouth is stuff that just should not come out of your mouth for a number of different reasons. And that might be the one thing I fault this movie. It's just like, come on, don't say that. That's, you could have just called him an asshole or something like that, but you called him, I'm not even going to say it. It's funny because (laughs) you, when you try to go super like modern with your language or just writing dialogue of quote-unquote like what the kids are saying on the streets you know i think you gain in the short term but i think you really lose in the long term in terms of like stay power with your film because like you said like one of the biggest criticisms if you want to get like really woke about this film the language in it is terrible at times but you know let's be honest i mean it is what kids were probably saying in the hallways doesn't make it right though so there is a weird debate when it comes to that yeah and again they're some of my favorite movies from this time suffer from that and honestly they're some of the only things i can find going back watching some of my favorite films from this time that were meant for you know teenagers or you know early 20 somethings like is that just the language is not translated well for all the wrong reasons but seriously that's my only fault that i can find with these movies like i still love them so much it's just like sometimes like really that's what they said that's lovely i mean and again what are you gonna like it's hard to criticize it in today's lens and also nobody 
could foresee the streaming revolution. I knew they knew they had like DVDs and video back then, but they're trying to make money for the time that they're in. They're not thinking like, how can I make my film timeless and live forever and, um, and please everyone? It is awkward, but like you said, I don't think it ruins the movie for me at all. It doesn't like affect major plot lines or anything like that. It's just, again, it's how people, how people are speaking in this movie. And we quickly kind of move to a very realistic um, kind of budget meeting where uh, the principal's there and they're discussing like the, the need for new computers and the need for new this and the need for new that. And she's like, I can't give that to any of you, but the football team gets everything. I'm not happy about it, but that's the basic revenue stream for this town. It is what it is. And we have to do I'm like, oh, I don't remember this movie being like all about stuff like that. Obviously it isn't, but it's kind of a slow build into like the major action. But we move pretty fast into that feeling of like, oh, something's not right here. Because it's feeling really weird when Robert Patrick is almost... Like, if you don't know the movie, you think it's just sexual harassment, what he's doing to the principal. But then right away, you know, he obviously... I forgot what they call it. Turns her or whatever. Infects her. Infects her, yes. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) And I remember watching this. And like knowing I was watching a monster movie and having never seen it. I remember watching this for the first time being like, oh my God, that guy's a monster. Oh God, he's going to hurt her because he's a monster. I was rewatching it today. I'm just like, is he going to like do something inappropriate to her? Like, I know he's probably a monster, but like my mind went to a different spot. But yeah, he's, he's kind of, he, he's coming off as very, very, very like maybe she's had a problem with him before. But it's obvious, like, you know, watching it through the, the lens of a monster movie that he's a monster. Now looking back at it, the whole lens of them putting the whole idea of putting the, the football scene first shows how the coach was one of the first people infected. Yeah, yeah. You know, it, it's super effective. But And I'm with you, though. Like, maybe it's just our 2020 lenses, but I'm like, what's going to yeah. happen here? I did that inference as well. I'm like, maybe he's done this before. and well, not that, not infect her like that, but mm-hmm. super interesting. And then a little bit after this, we get that uh, classic high school intro scene where, you know, we meet a bunch of our characters. It's usually like before school or, you know, or after school or somewhere outside usually. But actually in this one, they kind of start throwing the names up on the screen. What did you think of uh, this whole introduction of our characters? I liked it. We get to we get to meet the, um, it's Harrington High, right? Yeah, like a, like a fish. Yeah, we get to meet the Harrington High Six, you know, or like the squad, as it would be for the movie. The six kids that really don't have anything to do with each other, but all know more or less of each other. And they're going to, they're going to save the planet, these six kids. And so, yeah, we need a little stereotypical fan favor. We need those names plastered up there. <laughs> we need to see the nerd get, you know, his junk ran into a into the flagpole. And we need, a, you know, the goth, uncool, cool girl showing her brooding. We need the popular, smart girl looking popular and super commanding her troops. We need the dumb jock doing his, I'm trying as hard as I can, but I'm really, really, really good at sports. <laughs> We need the new girl asking a really dumb question that I'm sure she could have figured out herself, but decides to ask, like, probably the, the probably looking around found, like, the least helpful looking people to ask the question about where where her classroom was. 
And of course, you got to have the drug dealer pulling up into school, <laughs> setting up shot, getting ready to sell drugs to Danny Masterson. <laughs> yes. Interesting there, but and of course it's an unnamed drug that is downplayed later in the film as just being caffeine pills and something you know, you know other household stuff. Yes, other household <laughs> stuff. That's the word. But yeah, I like I like them throwing throwing the names up there and kind of introducing the fact that these are the six important kids. I mean, I don't think it was necessary, but it's it almost feels like kind of like Robert Rodriguez always has like this kind of cartoony, yeah. but also like deliberate and makes me feel like really like, like everything he does is very deliberate and and yes it is kind of cartoony but i like it it kind of works for me and it definitely feels like he's the one behind the wheel here i was just gonna say that the first time i saw it i didn't really know robert rodriguez and i wasn't really you know thinking in his lens like this is the first time in the film that i was like oh this is a robert rodriguez film <laughs> And it doesn't, you know, this film doesn't feel like Sin City, but, you know, no. but, but elements like that are like, oh, okay. You know, that was definitely a Robert Rodriguez choice. And I'm with you. I like it. I, it doesn't matter, especially like where we go with this film. You can't ground it too much on reality. And I thought it was funny, too, in terms of obviously this big Robert Rodriguez film, but he didn't write it. I know he likes to write a lot of his stuff, obviously. The screenwriter, Kevin Williamson. Like when I was watching it today, I didn't realize that he had wrote the script, but it is funny that he does so much similar things that he does in Scream where he's just calling back other films that it's almost like this late 90s sarcasm where it's like, oh yeah, we know you think this is a copy of other movies, but we're going to mention it out loud. I don't hate it. I actually like it. It's like a really sign of the times for, for you to, for them to do, or even one of the characters is kind of an expert on, on yeah. those kind of movies. That's her power. <laughs> yeah, essentially that's her power. Was there one of the six here who you identified most with? I mean, everybody wants to be Zeke. Let's be let's be forward. I mean, everybody <laughs> like sees this cool, smooth, maybe not the repeating, you know, senior year of high school <laughs> portion of it. But I mean, of all of these six characters, I mean, everyone's got to feel a little bit like they have some Elijah Wood in them. You got to be a little Casey. I feel like I, I identified with not being particularly cool but being confident in the kind of few things that i knew do with but honestly i like stokely the most she's definitely hands down my favorite of the six that i would identify with the most well you're in good company because i was gonna say i love stokely in this yeah. movie i think clea Duvall is awesome i mean i'm not 100 happy where she ends up but we'll get to that yeah. but <laughs> otherwise <laughs> we're on the same page yeah. <laughs> otherwise you know she's super cool again they play up that whole like oh she's a lesbian no she's not kind of thing which is whatever but <laughs> other yeah. than that you know obviously that's very much a sign of the times yes and she is the expert we alluded to where she, you know she knows invasion of the body snatchers and you know other stuff where it kind of leads them to kind of figuring out the clues of this film but overall i think it's a really really cool group of i was gonna say misfits but they're not all misfits just just unmatched pairs here and as we go along i was trying to figure out because i didn't remember i was trying to figure out who would die and who would turn on who and who was actually whatever an alien person um yep and i, I wasn't getting them right all the time so and that's a good thing you know like uh, I thought there were some surprises, believe it or not. There are a bunch of things in that they do actually spread like a little bit of chaos. Like 
I know we're talking about him way too much, but Danny Masterson, that whole portion, we'll get to that, I guess. But that threw me off. That was like the first time I was like, is he an alien or not an alien? Oh, he's definitely, oh, no, maybe not. Oh, yeah, he's definitely an alien. Yeah, don't forget. Yeah, don't forget to mention that because I, yeah. I feel like there's a lot here that we're going to maybe pass over because a lot happens in this movie. There's a telling of this film that takes uh, 30 seconds, you know, and, yeah. and we could also spend like four hours on it. We're not going to do that. (laughs) (laughs) So let's hit up some some highlights then. Early on, what were some of your favorite scenes and moments? I mean, I do like the staff, the dysfunctional faculty room staff Mm -hmm. after they kind of introduce the kids. You know, you've got all the teachers making fun of the one old teacher. You've got the the history teacher drinking. Uh, The school nurse is sick. I love that. I don't know yes. why, but that that just seems like such an oddity in film. But yeah, the school nurse has like a freaking head cold. And when do you ever see that? <laughs> you never see that. And again, the fact that she's played by Salma Hayek too, like it's like what? <laughs> but it's great. <laughs> it is great. I love that dynamic, you know, cuz again, we too often see in these high school films like I don't know, unfleshed out teachers, nameless teachers and even when they do have names they're just like all evil. But I liked, again, they have cliques. They have similar dynamics to the kids they teach. And of course, you know, they eventually all lose their identity, essentially, when they're snatched, you know, mm-hmm. by the parasite, if you will. But it was really cool to see this early on because it also put that in the back of your head. Like, have they turned? Eventually, they tell you they turned every teacher. But I was like, did they turn this teacher yet? Did they turn this one yet? Oh, okay. You know? Um, yeah, no, I agree with you. That whole, the whole element of the literal faculty was pretty cool. Yeah, and and again, this this seems like something that they could, they could probably make into, like a television show or something like. I I don't know. I think maybe body <laughs> body snatchers is a little played out, but like there's elements here that I feel like they could have expanded a little bit more. But I do I do like the choices they made early on, just feeling like, oh look, the staff. They're dysfunctional. They have problems with each other. They all hate the freaking principal, which, you know, they don't really make that so obvious, but they all, the, all the staff members really don't like the principal. Which is cool because it's like a, a lot of people I'm sure out there have similar feelings to their boss that they don't 100% communicate. Yeah, there are like two or maybe three times where the parasite infected person hits the principal and is like, oh, I always wanted to do that. Yeah. <laughs> And like I can, I you know, I think we can all identify with that, right? You know, like we've all <laughs> wanted to maybe take a slug at the boss or something like that. I, I don't know, but I I do like that. And then in contrast, they're all homogenous once they've been infected. They seem it seemingly all of their quirks about hating the principal or hating each other or making fun of each other are completely gone because they're all under the banner of this parasite hive mind. Yeah, yeah, which is pretty awesome and. Just again, how that's mirrored with the kids who really, you know, not that they, some of them don't get along like flat out, like Jordana Brewster and Cleo Duvall's character, mm-hmm. um, but just like kids who aren't going to really associate with each other have to team up, you know, for lack of a better word, to c- combine their efforts for kind of a forced team up from Team Parasite. Like, I love how they're starting to assemble because it's not like, oh, we need to find this person, we need to find that person. Some of that exists, but some of it's just kind of by chance, right, that this ends up being like the six of them. But this is a movie where it, the screenplay is strong because it has a lot of, I don't want to call them throwaway lines because I think that's a negative term, 
But I, I want to say more like lines that make me go, oh, okay. Like that answers my question. So I'm not, you know, being a dick and being like, wait, how is that possible? Like uh, one of them um, is like, oh, when I think Elijah Wood asked, like, why Ohio? And Clea Duvall's like, I think it's Clea Duvall. She's like, would you blow up the White House Independence Day style or would you sneak through the back door? So you're like, okay. You know, because you always wonder, like, why would someone attack a small town or whatever? Like, why this place of all places to start their parasite revolution? But, I mean, I, I guess that kind of makes sense. Something I, I thought was interesting, too, was how, you know, Elijah Wood finds that parasite on the football field. And <laughs> when they bring it into, like, John, John I can't believe I'm saying this, John Stewart's classroom, and we see it, like, multiply and stuff like that. Like, we're learning here. It's not like one of these movies where, like, we don't have the answers. It's just happening. And those movies are fine, too. But this movie plants a lot of seeds. Like, the fact that the faculty keeps drinking water and stuff. You know what I'm saying? I like when Mary Beth approaches Stokely, like, shortly after the introduction scene and says, you know, like, oh, well, I I don't know exactly what she says. But she says something to the effect of, I'm feeling pretty alien today. And, And I was like, oh, oh, man. Big giveaway, big big drop right there, because she's the alien. <laughs> and sometimes for me, like that kind of stuff doesn't work, but it worked in this film because I, I think it was, I think it fit with the tone. It's a nice throwback if you've seen the movie already to be like, like because it was obviously mm-hmm. put in there for that reason. You would have no idea on your first viewing, but on the second viewing, you'd be like, ah, she did mention the fact that she's. <laughs> but you were saying, um, just to touch on it quickly, the John Stewart classroom scene when Elijah Wood has brought in the parasite. My favorite shot in this movie is when they drop it in the tank and Stokely puts her hand on the tank and it reaches out the tentacles to her fingertips. I even took a picture of it while I was watching the movie and I'm like, damn, that's freaking cool. And damn, does it show that the aliens want us? Yeah, that was so awesome. Um, And there's a lot of allusions to the tentacle thing throughout the high school, the way like the, uh, I don't know, I don't know what you would call it. Like in the gym, those, why am I missing this word for what these streamers, right? Streamers, banners, streamers. Yeah. yeah. Banners, streamers. Yeah. We get like the gym has it. A lot of other stuff in the high school, you're seeing stuff like that. And it's just when she puts her hand on that tank, it like mirrors all that. And you're like, Oh, it's a chilling scene. It's pretty awesome. Yeah. Agreed. And they, they have a very like subtle sound effect in the background. It's just, mm-hmm. it's really cool. It's a great shot of her too. Like she can't believe yeah. what she's seeing, which is, I, I feel like how I, I'd be scared shitless. If I put my hand to a <sighs> tank and some being I've never seen reached out for my fingers, I would not keep my hand on that tank. No, I'd be like, what the hell just happened guys? <laughs> <laughs> some composure from Stokely. <laughs> One of the things we learn at some point is that, yes, they do like water. No, they don't like his drug because uh, Josh Hartnett's drugs because they're diuretics. And I think we learn it. Yeah, we learn it in that uh, scene where they all go to his house and he's got like a whole. It's not a meth lab, but it's like <laughs> it looks like a one. huge. Yeah, it's a huge. Yeah, it looks like that. It's like a huge chemistry. It's not set. You know what I mean? It's, yeah. He has a lab in his garage. <laughs> and his science like mastery is hinted in the film as well because like again he's answering like the questions correctly and John Stewart's thing and he has a freaking lab in his home. I don't approve that he tests on animals, but it is what <laughs> it is what it is. Aside from the the choice language, that was that was the the only other hard part for me to watch this movie. I I really don't like seeing animals hurt. <laughs> No, did they have to do that? No. Like, like they could have easily been like, oh, I figured it out. You know, not like, let me 
take the inside of this mouse apart. But it does serve some purpose. It does show like, oh, it was a parasite. Oh yeah, it was it was just the small little piece of the parasite that we cut off that infected him, so you don't need like a whole one. And mm, it also true. it also goes to the purpose of like I mean, I guess they could have figured it out anyway when, when they have the battle with Jon Stewart and they give him with the drug, but he's like, Oh yeah, this dried out the rat. The, or the mouse. The mouse got super dried out from the parasite. So uh, that bit of information helps lead them to develop their fight, against, their weapon against it. Maybe? I'm just playing devil's advocate. <laughs> it didn't ruin the film for me or anything like that. It was just like, yeah. no. <laughs> but again, it was cool. And this is actually like the moment where it's funny if you if, like you say the scene on paper, like everyone has to take drugs to prove that they're not an alien. You know, <laughs> It's but, the thing, dude. It's <laughs> but awesome. It, you know, it makes sense, though. <laughs> and this is the first time we we lose a. What did you call them before? I don't know. The uh, the, the Harrington High School Six, the 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 squad, yes, the, the, Hor- the Harrington High the Hornets. Six. The, the they are the Hornets. The Hornets. Yeah, we could just call them the Hornets. Which even that is an allusion to what's going on here, like an insect that stings you. You know exactly. I like that the mascot, now that you mentioned, it's very subtle. Like, you know, oh, yeah, it stings mm-hmm. you and stuff. Like, they could have gone, like, even more, like, heavy-handed with it. And I and I can't think of a good example right now of, like, maybe, like, an understated parasite of some kind. I don't know. Like, it couldn't, it couldn't be the Harrington Barnacles or something. I don't know. I'm trying to think of a good example, and I can't. What you're doing in your head right now is probably exactly what they did when they were setting this film up right like is there anything that's like more parasite i can't really think of anything let's just go with the hornet you know yeah <laughs> and i like sense. it though hornet hornets are cool uh, I, I do too I, yeah i do really and if, and again i didn't think of the whole the subtlety of like the sing stinging and stuff so you opened my eyes to that again that's cool little imagery I'm, i probably see it because i watch these films a lot so <laughs> i pay attention to the the classes and the uh like the mascots and all that jazz but but uh, yeah, so the chemistry scenes when we lose Jordana Brewster. Did Mary Beth at this point know that Delilah, Jordana Brewster, was a parasite? I mean, she must have. I feel like, yeah, yeah, she must have. Because I think they used the fact, because during the whole the thing uh, test with ma- making them do the drugs and, and, and show them that, they they are not infected and and I'll get back to this later at the end of the film when they when they make the reveal but Delilah takes it at the same time as Mary Beth and Delilah freaks out and I think that gives Mary Beth the second she needs to oh. and I think it was deliberate it's just like you're going to you're going to do this you're going to sacrifice yourself or you're going to harm yourself intentionally so I'm your queen and you have to protect me Though wow. I don't know if you want to get into it now, but like I find a huge plot hole with that with that one moment. I mean, l- let's do it. So we know Mary Beth in the end because we're you know remember we're not yeah. telling the movie to people. <laughs> I right. I hope you've we're seen discussing. the faculty at this point. Yeah, so <laughs> go see it. So, so at the end, it reveals that Mary Beth is actually the queen, um, and you know she's the one they need to kill to revive everyone essentially. Sorry, it, it's revealed, like, there's, like, a little flashback scene where they show in this scene she had, like, a nose-blocking thing, and she actually didn't take the drugs, but she pretended to. So what's the plot hole you found here? When Mary Beth is explaining that she's the queen and stuff like that, um, and it goes back, she puts a th- she yeah, she covers her nose with the little skin flaps inside her nose. She puts it up, 
and then she uses a little tentacle to knock off the bottom cap and have it all hit the ground. When they turn back, having after having Delilah done it, the cap is still on her pen, but it's empty Ooh. and there's no drugs in it. And that's silly, too, because, like, I don't think... She didn't need to do the whole thing, you know? So why would she need to empty it out? Like... <laughs> And also, like, your finger's just as good. Did you really need to tentacle the thing off of it? I feel like, like, it's one of those things, because they could, they did. And, like, oh, we can really put this tentacle effect. you want that? It's like, sure, put it in, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. But that that's really the only thing. They, they could have done a little bit of editing to fix that, and they didn't. Yeah, also, like, you're so right with the Jordana Brewster thing. We are so distracted by her change that if they would have just told me, like, oh, we weren't focused on that, and she actually didn't sniff it at all or whatever, I would have bought in. I wouldn't be like, wait a second. I looked at that pen, and the level was was not where I thought it was, you know? Yeah, so kind of unnecessary. But again, it doesn't ruin the film or anything like that. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good call on that. Good call on that. So that's our first loss of a core six member here. What were some of the moments that you want to discuss after this whole, this scene? So after the scene at the lab and Delilah freaks out and she trashes Zeke's lab, making it so they can't make any more of the scat or whatever. I mean, uh, by the <laughs> way, at the end of that scene, when they're chasing her out of the garage, Stan has a freaking croquet mallet. Like, I know he's high, but like a croquet mallet, bro. Come on. <laughs> and, I, and I never noticed it before. I'm just like, I'm sure in that moment, like he was just so stoned. He grabbed whatever he could to try to defend himself. But, dude, you'd be better off with your freaking hands than a croquet yeah. mallet. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I didn't catch that. They go to figure out who the queen is, and they're like, oh, we're going to go. There's only one place that the queen would be on a Friday night at the football game. And so, <laughs> so, so they cut to the team absolutely brutalizing the other team. Like, obviously, the reps are already aliens. Because, yes, you'd have to imagine. <laughs> because for a high school football game, like there are kids dying on this field and then getting parasite eared by other players, which is all just so kinds of wrong. But oh my gosh, this is I don't know anybody in my high school who could have delivered such punishment on the football field. No, uh, it's very interesting. I, I don't count this as a plot hole. I'm just maybe it's because of how many of them were doing it. But it is strange, like people's transitions from human to parasite host seem to have different durations because like the guys they were getting on the football field were almost instantly turning and that wasn't true of other characters but it could be just because they're all pitching in i'm not sure exactly how it works but you're right i was like is there a like away fans here like are these kids parents in the stands and like wouldn't they be very concerned unless they've been turned as well like one of the first moments where we see like they're not just like aimless body snatchers if you will like that they have like a well thought out plan that's clearly coming from the queen or at least it's, it seems like it's coming from somewhere is that like teacher i think he's like yeah he's like a history teacher who's he's like super lazy i've seen him in seinfeld i don't remember like the actor's name he comes in like the next day after he's been uh, taken over and he basically says write a history of your family first your immediate family and everyone you know so you see that they have a plan clearly they had a plan for this football game um but yeah it it is brutal but 
Look, I'm a fan of these high school movies. I love seeing a good football scene. The scenes were intense, vibrant colors. So, again, not going to complain. But, whoa, really, really you know, heavy hitting. And then just the piling on after is a little... <laughs> it's intense. But it's a 90s high school movie, man. Got to have some football in there. Absolutely. Hell yes. So I do, a, obviously, a lot of different kinds of movies for this podcast. And some of them are tangentially related to high school. Like, they happen to just have one or two characters who are attending high school or, you know, a teenager even, or like it takes place in the summer. This is a high school movie just as much as it is like a horror film or a sci-fi film, which again, chef's kiss, I love. Yes, me too. When you asked me about you know, picking a high school movie and going through that list, this, this one just kind of popped up in my head like immediately like i didn't really run through a lot of different things this movie just screams high school to me and also horror but i mean this this is a high school movie to me as well yeah yeah so it unfolds really from here right like we start to who's the next person we lose actually is it the football guy i think it's stan stan goes yeah. out of the building to see if you know the coast is clear and i i don't really understand why he decided to do that and he walks up to a bunch of football players and, oh, well, they kill the principal first. Yes. They yes, shoot that's the principal scene, in the head. Because they think she probably is the queen because she's the principal. And I just want to touch on that quickly. They know that Delilah knows their plan is the principal. So wouldn't the kids think that the aliens know their plan to go to after the principal, kind of? Would they yeah. infer that the aliens know that that's their target because they told delilah it yeah i mean again we uh, maybe they just don't know how they communicate or whatever but even still right like delilah i i gotta see who suggested it i definitely now like kind of watch this movie again i don't remember who suggested going after her but if delilah was on board and she was on the bad team wouldn't you think that probably that's not the pick anyway even if they're not communicating i guess so and then again they kill uh, the principal and then stan goes outside to like check if coach and everybody is which is a really dumb idea and they kind of know (laughs) it's really dumb too because like stokely like kisses him and she's like oh i want to do that just in case essentially like in case i don't get a chance again he's like okay i'll still check you know (laughs) she gives up the kiss of death dude Uh, yep so there are moments where i'm like oh is this person already infected is this person already infected and at that point i thought like stokely might be because i'm like if she really cared about him, wouldn't she try to stop him from doing such a stupid decision? Ended up not being the case. But I like that about the movie. The fact that they all, and they, they raise it in the those concerns in the scene we were just talking about in Zeke's lab, that all of them are acting a little bit out of sorts. Maybe some more than others, but they all have like a very good reason to suspect the other one. And we as the audience, like in that moment, be, need to be like, or I, I feel like, like, damn, they're right. Any of them could be an alien. Yeah, and it's great. I'm looking at the list now. I'm trying to think like, so Elijah Wood, Casey, like, I think he's, I never thought he was an alien, you know? He's all of a sudden Sigourney Weaver. (laughs) (laughs) It's obviously by design. Let's see. Like I said, Stokely, I definitely thought Delilah ended up being one. Mary Beth, I think any intelligent watcher would kind of think she's a possibility, at least because she's a new kid who just is integrating herself. You know, it wasn't, I mean, I wasn't like, Oh man, so predictable, but it yeah. wasn't like the most shocking thing in the world either. Stan is believable. And I think for reasons they said too, like that he was this football jock and suddenly he's like changing a little bit and he's flat sometimes. So I'm like, maybe 
He was one. He's not an alien. He's discontent. Yes. <laughs> I love that line. That's a great line. I love that line. I forgot about that. I'm glad you brought it up. <laughs> Did you ever think Zeke was an alien? No, not at all, man. He, yeah, right. He, like, he's so goddamn cool. How could he be an alien? <laughs> so I guess just Casey and Zeke are, are like the least possible candidates here. Uh, everyone else has like at least one moment in my mind where it's possible that they could be, which again is great. It puts the kind of whodunit mystery into this. Because again, eventually everyone is going to be infected, more or less. Yeah. You know, as we move along, the movie really picks up. It's an hour and 45 minutes, but I think it has a really great pace. I don't know about you, but my biggest pet peeve these days is that movies are way too freaking long. And this movie has a perfect pace for its uh, for its time and its run. Yeah, absolutely. And I'll even see sometimes like a horror film, and especially a teen horror film. And I read uh, like an hour and 45 minutes. I'm like, oh, God, this is going to drag. But this one didn't. So bravo on that. I like a good hour and a half movie. We'll put it that way, especially for this podcast. Who goes next? I'm like forgetting like the order of this film. Um, so Stan is gone. They they want Stan to take the drug. So no. Oh yes. So they run back, and so Mary Beth and Stokely stay back in the gymnasium or the auditorium. Yes. And and Zeke and Casey go out to the parking lot where Zeke explains to Casey, because Casey's just like, oh, man, why, <laughs> why couldn't you have just gone yourself? And Zeke's just like, oh, yeah, yeah one of us is a decoy. And, <laughs> and I like that because they kind of subtly hinted earlier in the movie that, like, Casey can run really fast, even though he falls flat on his face yeah. after that moment. But, like, I like that they kind of put that to good use, is that he, he is fast. Like, he is really, really, really fast. Or like the line early on in the movie where he's like, oh, you know, um, I can't even remember something about being chased. Yeah, like uh, Robert, like Patrick says to him, like, oh, uh, you know, you don't like sports, do you? And, and he uh, says, I only run if I'm being chased. Ah, uh, that's it. Yeah, it's a great little moment, great little foreshadowing thing there. But uh, just back to Under the Bus, <laughs> when he <laughs> says that, he says, one of us is the decoy. I love how he's not like, oh, you're going to need to be a decoy or anything like that. He just flat out says that. <laughs> He's so freaking cool. I mean, I know Josh Hartnett's like a little one note in a lot that he does, but he's just so freaking charming and cool in this movie. Like, doing characters like this was really his wheelhouse. Yes, totally. Back to uh, Stokely and Mary Beth in the gym, though, while this is all happening. One of my questions I actually had was, why didn't Mary Beth turn Stokely right there? It's a good question. I mean, even if they were running on the assumption that, like, it's happening maybe at the same time as what's happening in the parking lot. That's still plenty, plenty enough time and room for her to get her. I, I don't know. I think that Mary Beth actually really liked Stokely out of all of the, the kids. I think that Mary Beth actually sees Stokely as almost um, an equal, like another loner looking to find her place but like not knowing it. And I, they kind of established that early on in the movie, but they don't stick with it. But I think that's the reason why she doesn't turn hers because she actually respects in some, I don't know. I mean, how much can an alien respect a, a teenager? Uh, but you know, maybe she does have some kind of affinity for it. Stan, you don't look unhappy. It's cause it wasn't Stan. It's a boy who he was. Maybe they just bettered who he was. Cleared away his confusion. 
I know you pride yourself on being the outsider, Stokely. But aren't you tired of being something you're not? I know I am. Yeah, and eventually she does try to turn her, and obviously it's successful at some point, but it also could be something where time-wise, like you said, it's not one-to-one where the parking lot scene is from where their scene is, you know? Because it's kind of like that evil villain sort of thing where she kind of first tries to, like, convince her to go to her side before actually doing it, like she has any say in the matter. I'm not criticizing it because it's something that it did add to the the dramatic nature of the film rather than maybe we just come back and Stokely's already changed. Because I think think if you're a human being and you watch this film, you are really getting attached to the Stokely character, you know? Yes. (laughs) So either way, it serves well. I get why they did it. I just, it was a little odd timing-wise. It didn't take me out of it at all, though. Um, And it's amazing how fast this ending is going, too. Not like time code wise, because I think it probably takes a significant amount of time, but we're just moving from like vignette to vignette. We have like the football team. Stan is now like with that army, with Usher. They're all like, <laughs> you know, they're all like ready to go. But of course, Casey gets his the, his drugs and they have this epic, I you know, I guess final scene in the like the swimming pool and the whole gym locker room area. What did you think of a... Uh, Especially today, what did you think of Mary Beth's final form? Well, first of all, they never explain the whole shape-shifting thing, and I don't know why, but it bothered me this time watching. It's just like, mm. like, okay, she's an alien, but like, why can she turn into a high school girl? <laughs> like, yes, she's a parasite. She also has the ability to mimic a form. <laughs> Again, it made sense with the other people, obviously, but yeah, her... <laughs> And the only thing I can come to, and this is this is a stretch, dude, before I get to anything. I love when she's walking through the locker room, and it is the girl walking through the locker room, but there's the shadows of the tentacles everywhere. And I love that shot, but my only thought is that maybe they've been hanging out with a gross alien this whole time, and she can actually just, like, project maybe oh. into your mind what you want to see. I mean, there's never any other time. And it's not like, you know, when she gets into the car with all of them, like they're all like, you know, bumping against giant tentacles <laughs> yeah, or anything. But that's the only thing I can think of, bro. That is interesting. That's a good point. I'm going to try to read up on that a little more to see if anyone, because a movie like this, you know, people have justified things here or there. And if there's yes. something good, I'll buy it. But yeah, I wasn't thinking about that, but you're totally right. Like what a weird turn. And it would be something too. like, I think I would buy in more if like, she was that maybe she was a parasite she went into this girl's body but once she came out and showed her true form like that was it she couldn't become the girl again and and that might work if if you stuck with the original thing of her like when she gets into the pool that's how she's able to come back from alien the alien yes i don't know maybe it's got to be some kind of shape-shifting my my idea is absolutely bonkers that whole sequence of like the reveal and then they're going back with like the pen cap being taken off, and then they're, um, uh, you know, she's she's walking around naked, which is a little strange because it's 
it's not as bad because it's a giant alien. It's not a high school girl. It's an alien. And I almost wanted to fault the movie, but there's not like a, you know, there's no like gratuitous teen R-rated movie nudity in this, which I Mm -hmm. actually really respect up until the end. But again, at that point, she's not a high school girl. She's an alien. So I kind of make it because, you know, people, people of underage status being naked in movies kind of makes me uncomfortable as a 30 something year old man. So well, welcome to this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) But the fact that she's a space alien made me feel a little less uncomfortable watching it. Yeah, I hear you there. Uh, I'm glad they didn't get really explicit with it. I've seen it in so many other horror films. If anything, I think it might have been like paying homage to what those horror films do in these kind of moments. But again, I'm with you. I'm happy we didn't see a lot of stuff there. And it is this one moment only. Yeah. And she's powerful. She's like throwing lockers around. She, she throws Zeke like across the locker room. And I can't believe he's still alive after. I mean, you get thrown, <laughs> you know, that far into the air onto a concrete floor into a bunch of metal football lockers. You're probably dead or, you know, not playing football like at the end of the movie, you know, um, <laughs> which, which, yeah, we'll get into that. But I like, I like the final reveal. So Casey is getting chased around. He's still trying to help Stokely. Stokely gets, you know, pulled into the pool and smashes her head. And Casey's still running through the locker rooms trying to escape. Uh, Stokely's been turned at this point, and Casey locks her in the the equip the equipment cage and uh, i like that part where casey is like up against the equipment cage and stokely grabs him by the head yeah. so hard that when he pulls his head away the hair is ripped out yeah uh, Oof. Th- that's so cool that's really cool yeah this final scene the final you know sci-fi horror scene of the film is pretty awesome it's just the imagery even who survives are probably the people you know in a straw poll that you would want to be the ones in this situation I mean, the whole, what is it? The bleacher is coming. Yep. I didn't know that a button did that. At least it didn't in my school. Maybe it did. I'm not sure. But the bleacher is coming. Like the, I don't know about crush, but at least corner Mary Beth or whatever we want to call her final form. And the fact that uh, Elijah was just like, he gets infected, but he still gets her. And he's able to do it before he's completely infected anyway, because and she dies. And it, it was an interesting twist that, you know, most of the characters did not die. I know they mentioned this earlier, but that they kind of just were back to normal after he killed the queen. Yeah, I mean, I, I thought there was, I thought it was really, really cool. Uh, but then we, of course, get our like one month later scene or whatever. Off the bat, I'll just ask, what were your thoughts on this little coda, like after the fact, after the big monsters defeated, like back to normalcy scene? I mean, it's kind of dumb. <laughs> it, it's kind of bad. I mean, the one thing I like about it is, you know, Elijah Wood is famous for doing something, again, besides discovering the comet that's going to destroy mankind. Um, so, so good for Elijah Wood getting some notoriety around the planet again in another movie. <laughs> and, you know, it's cool, like, Delilah and Casey are together. Like, and, and that's nice because it's like you were just saying, Casey had a chance to shoot Delilah in the face. And, yeah. and he, he stops because whether, you know, it's, it's very subtly hinted at that he's in love with her or has some kind of infatuation. Mm-hmm. For her. So it, having not shot her in the face, they can now be together. So I guess that's nice. And, you know, Zeke being on the football team is 
is cool. There's a nice little Mrs. Robinson thing going on between him and Miss Burke, which is one of my favorite parts about the movie, by the way. <laughs> which, okay, on that note, I don't always like when you have predatory teacher with student, <laughs> but it is it is very clear that he is 19 or 20 at this point. <laughs> yes, so, yes, it is. Again, power dynamics, not great, but he's technically of age people, so... <laughs> yes. something's going on there that's for sure something and, and it's after the fact that it's creepy on his part during the movie like he is very 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 inappropriate to his teacher who is clearly trying to hold on to some form of power because he's doing something wrong and she is the authority figure and he's just like throwing all this sexual stuff at her and i feel really bad for for mrs miss burke in that scene early in the film. Yeah, yeah, for sure. We also didn't mention when she loses her head. Oh, yeah. That's uh that's interesting. What Zeke has like a an interesting reaction to that, too. <laughs> he does. Actually, what's it called? The the actor, I read that she didn't want to watch the final product yes. of the movie because she didn't like how her character went, apparently. I like how Femke goes from a very timid, but like looking for authority, definitely knows her stuff, but just like maybe high school is not the best place for her to be teaching. She's a little bit timid to like, I'm going to, I'm going to shove my toes so far up your ass. You're going to be kissing them till graduation. I'm going to be like, great line. Yeah. Shit. <laughs> it must be hard, I guess, to, you know, know something on the screen is not going to agree with what your original plan was, but that's sad that she, she's never, felt the need to watch this film and i mean the character does get a little lost because there's a lot of characters in this movie yeah but, and that's why but i think she for for the little bit that she has yeah it is a little uncomfortable that they're obviously having some kind of a thing going on together um <laughs> but yeah she does she does get caught up in the mix but i do like the character yeah i know for sure and then of course you mentioned to uh just i didn't want to forget uh casey and delilah um, I liked them ending up together for a lot of reasons, but one of them was too often you'll see this be like really unearned in films in these codas. Like the nerdy guy gets this really cool girl and you're not sure why. And if anything, he's just been being creepy with her. Uh, and Casey wasn't really like that, you know? They actually worked together. They had a previous relationship here. Um, I know there was like some boundaries between their popularity, but... I don't think he was ever being creepy with her or anything like that. And that makes the film feel more modern than a lot of other stuff, even around this time in the late 90s. So uh, I approve of their getting together as well. What I wasn't too much of a fan of Stokely. And Stan. Yeah, Stokely and Stan here for a couple of reasons. One, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not a big Stan fan. <laughs> <laughs> if that makes sense in this film. You're the uh, anti-Stan for Stan. Yeah, I'm the anti-Stan for Stan, exactly. I love it. <laughs> and even there's that. Like, why do they have to pull a whole Breakfast Club Ali Sheedy thing with Clea Duvall and give her, you know, colorful costume? Not, not, you know, I'm not saying she's in sequins or anything, but she dresses all black. She has her thing. 
And then I feel like they give her like a mini makeover to be like, you see, she was only like this because she was sad. And now that she has a boyfriend, this is her true self, a girly girl. You know, I didn't want to see that. I like Stokely who she was. And I don't need to see her with Stan either. I'm not as angry about her being with Stan. I tune with you. I'm angry about the wardrobe change and like the hair color difference. It's like, <laughs> why, why can't she just, you know, yeah, be herself. Like, I don't think she was sad. Or dressing like that because she was sad. I think she was expressing herself. Or like as how I described her in the cliche in the beginning. She's the uncool, too cool girl. Like she doesn't care. Like so why would she have changed her style? Just to better fit in with the fact that she now has like a group of friends and is more well adjusted. I, I don't know. It, it does seem out of place though. I don't like that at all. Yeah, yeah. What the hell? And maybe we're just like jaded from like the whole hipster era that would come after this where like fitting in was considered uncool. So you tried to do other things. <laughs> um, I don't know. But like it's so it's jarring to me and it's like such a brief thing. But again, it's like, why? Why? The things she enjoyed in life were in her sickness. She's now not suddenly healed now. Like, I don't know. But <laughs> again, it doesn't ruin the movie. It was just a very interesting choice. Like, she sees the light now. She can love. She has a heart. Yes. Very silly stuff. <laughs> it is kind of weird, too. That's like, oh, no one believes what happened here. The news cameras are coming to see me, but it wasn't aliens. Like, I don't know. <laughs> All right, you little fuck dude. As you can see, life has returned to normal at Harrington High after the mysterious disappearance of several faculty members one month ago. Both the local authorities and the FBI have largely discounted several students' claim that an extraterrestrial was involved. A spokesperson for the FBI has indicated that no substantiating evidence has been found. That goes for you too, Zeke. Because you're the new guy. It doesn't mean we're going to cut you any slack. Put that butt out and get in there. When do you think they're going to find a new story? I mean, how do they milk their little high school invasion to death? Although there has been no evidence of foul play, the criminal investigation is ongoing. No regrets? None whatsoever. She comes up and every time, like a thousand times before. Dropping out and fading, but I keep on wanting more. How does it feel to be a hero? It's all right, I guess. I don't know. Different. Hey, fan clubs here again. Network or local? Both. You know, you can be pretty cool sometimes. Things sure have changed, haven't they? Sometimes these codas are cool. Sometimes they're not. I don't know if it's necessary in this film, but it is what it is. It didn't ruin it for me. Yeah, I, I don't think so either. I, I think it's a nice little period at the end of the sentence, but it's not. It's it's definitely, it, it's not the strongest part of the movie. I'll say that. But then again, it's also like, what, less than, less than, a, you know, two minutes long. Yeah, so it, really short. It doesn't ruin the movie. 
No, and it tells us everything they want us to know in a short amount of time, so it is what it is. I don't think people are talking about this movie and like, oh, remember at the end when everyone was in a couple? Like, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I actually forgot about, um, I mean, except for the fact that Stokely and Stan and that Delayla and Casey were together, I couldn't. I don't remember any of the stuff from that end sequence. The, the main real thing I remember from the end of this movie is when when Casey kills the monster with the with the absolutely and and stabs it says guaranteed to jack you up you wouldn't have liked it here anyway like oh my (laughs) god yes that that's that's how i always remember the end of the movie to be fair some of our criticism did go to the screenwriting here in terms of the uh you know some of the off-color language or whatever but we also get some really badass lines too so (laughs) yeah yeah some of it's really cool yeah, so was there anything that you wanted to bring up that we missed before we get to our end-of-episode questions? Um, I had two things that I wanted to talk about. Well, three things. We, we briefly touched on Stokely talking about Invasion of the Body Snatchers and Puppet mm-hmm. Masters, and I really, really, really like that. I And again, it's that's totally a product of Scream. And, I mean, because Scream, had Scream 2 come out? By this point, when did Scream One come out? Certainly after Scream One, ninety six, I think. Scream Two was ninety seven, right after. So yeah, yeah. So and in those movies, it's very cool to talk about knowing mm-hmm. the things that it, you're referencing and stuff like that, like you mentioned before. And I, I just really enjoyed that. The two things that I wanted to mention: number one, I love Mary Beth or Alien, depending upon who you want to call her. <laughs> um, I love her pitch to Elijah Wood and it actually kind of kind of has always spoken to me she's like I want you to be in a world where every high schooler doesn't have to worry about what they're labeled as you don't have to be afraid of anybody you just have to follow my plan like you can come and be with me in a world where you don't come out come out wherever you are You know, in my world, Casey, there were limitless oceans as far as the eye could see. Beautiful home till it started to dry up. So I escaped. Came here. I met you. All of you. All of you were different from the others. Thanks, pal. You were lost and lonely, just like me. And I thought that maybe I could give you a taste of my world. A world without anger, without fear, without attitude. Where the underachiever goes home at night to parents who care. The jock can be smart, ugly duckling beautiful, and the class wuss doesn't have to live in terror. And the new girl, well, the new girl, she can just fit right in with people who are just like her. You see, Casey? Even Mary Beth's feelings can be hurt by a bunch of pathetic, lost little outcasts who truly believe that their disaffected, lonely life is the only way they can survive. I can make you a part of something so special, Casey. So perfect. So fearless. Don't you want that, Casey? I'd rather be afraid. Fine. All right. Have it your way. Because this is where your land of fiction gets it right. We win. End of story. And just 
just from like you know the feels part of my heart man like just i know that high school especially for me i I know it wasn't particularly hard there were definitely i definitely had some hard times mainly manufactured by myself but so many people have such a difficult time and just that pitch of imagining a world where you know there is no bullying or no people looking at you in a certain click or it just i don't know that's such a beautiful pitch and of course i i love elijah wood's reaction to it which is i'd rather be afraid and and that is just so awesome i know i've seen this so many times and that kind of gets me a little because it's such an interesting introspective oh yeah i'm with you again as someone who does this show it's cool to see stuff like that it's so interesting. And just overall, that reminds me of just... It's nice to have a movie where, like, the monsters, if you will, aren't, like, nameless, faceless things. that Like, they actually have philosophy, you know? So I thought that was a cool touch. So I definitely agree with you on that one. Yeah, it's nice to have, like, a little sentimental thing set there. It definitely helps move a little bit... Move the needle a little bit more as to... That, that the alien does have, like, a motivation... And that it's actually the aliens quite clever. So I, I really, really enjoyed that. And I can't think of the other thing. Sorry. <laughs> All good. If All it, good. it might come up in our question segment. If Fantastic. You Who knows? Um, <laughs> okay, so uh, let's see. The, I'm seeing if there's anything else I wanted to mention that we didn't. Oh, I, I like when Shooter McGavin finds Elijah Wood's porn. <laughs> just, just a sentence I never thought I'd say. So. <laughs> and it, oh, that's that's one of the things that bothers me, man. They have this young man, this you know, straight A honor student, who's never ever given them a reason for them to distrust him. He's never done anything wrong. He's never caused trouble at school. And the parents immediately are just like, "You're on yeah. drugs. Where are the drugs? We're getting you professional help." No internet, no phone, no music, no porn. And I'm just like, God <laughs> damn it. You guys are the like the most unreasonable parents ever. Like, what the fuck? Do you, how the fuck do you not understand that maybe there's something going on with the kid? Like, they just immediately turn to all the horrible things that are happening and not thinking like, eh, maybe there is something to this whole kids thinking that they're aliens running around. I know that's a stretch, but. Like, he's, he seems like the perfect kid, and he does one thing wrong, and they crucify him. I wrote in an imaginary, like, older brother or sister who was a troublemaker, and, like, this was the good kid, but they always suspected that he was going to turn into <laughs> that sibling, and that was the reason that it was... I know it's a stretch, but, you know, I, I'm just writing it in myself. The other thing I was thinking, like, Shooter McGavin is an asshole anyway, so <laughs> he was just maybe waiting for this moment. <laughs> exactly. He needs to make sure he disciplines Elijah Wood so he can get back to the green. Yeah. <laughs> All right. You said earlier you're a fan of Dazed and Confused. Our first award is called the Wooderson Award. And, you know, famously in Dazed and Confused, Linklater loved Matthew McConaughey's performance so much in some scenes, so he added him in more to the movie. So my question to you is, is there a character in this film who you would have maybe given some more screen time and added uh, more to the film? Oh, man, it's it's tough because the six are definitely my favorite and they all get their fair share mm-hmm. of the screen and the limelight. So I'm going to think like uh, maybe an underused faculty member. Like I would have liked to have seen like Selma Hayek in the nurse's office, like infecting kids that she was bringing in. Oh, that's good. That would have been freaking awesome. Or like, uh, yeah, yeah, that I'm going to go with that. 
Selma That's Hayek. a great choice. Let's get some more I Selma love that Hayek image. Obviously, she's talented, and <laughs> you you put that like nurse's office scene. The fact that a nurse is infecting, I love it. That's great. Yes. Okay, Long Duck Dong Award. Famously in 16 Candles, have a very racially inappropriate character, Long Duck Dong, but doesn't have to be racially inappropriate. Was there any character who you'd delete from the film or a character whose omission would make the film better in your mind? Oh, man. Taking somebody out of the movie. Um, I mean, Danny Masterson is there to establish that Zeke is selling the drugs and that he does have a market. Earlier when we were talking, you're like, oh, I want to talk about Danny Masterson. Um, did you get to that point? Or? Oh, he walks up to Zeke and wants to buy more of the scat. And it just seems like he's like a kid looking to buy drugs. I'm thinking, oh, yeah, he's just, you know, looking for drugs. He's not alien. Mm-hmm. He's like, do you have any in your locker or in your car or like at your house? Like he's like, then he starts really <laughs> digging into him. Just like, oh, yeah, he's an alien. And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, that was com- great. Come on, man. Hook us up. And I'm like, oh, oh, wait, no, he is. Is. Yeah, he's an alien. He's definitely an alien. I like that, too. I like that. So I don't think you could take that and get rid of that. Maybe one of the, the teachers in the beginning, but the, some of those, there's a lot of hidden little lines in with like the faculty members on. Yeah. Early on. This um, is tough. Yeah. Yeah. This is, this is a tough question, man. I, I don't have a good answer for you. I didn't really have an answer. I was thinking maybe Usher, but he's an R and B sensation. So we have to keep him in. Um, if there's one thing, it has a great cast and it's really well balanced. So maybe we'll just have to put an NA for this one. Um, I was trying to think if there was any like stupid storyline. Well, I don't know. There's this like famous film critic in this movie who's been canceled. Harry Knowles. He was like that redheaded teacher. He was right. Like, yeah. And I know he's like has a lot of sexual assault allegations out there and people don't like him. And I know films at the time would like give him little cameo parts so he would write better reviews. Ooh, uh, really? Yeah. Yikes. That's, so let's let's delete him from the movie. <laughs> oh yeah, totally. Let's let's delete him from the movie. Let's let's remove him. I'm fine. Deleted. And his name's Harry Knowles, and he played Mr. Knowles. Um, Mr. So, Knowles. Yeah. So fuck that. <laughs> um, okay, Cameron Fry Award, famously in Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Alan Rock, though he played it very very well, was 30 years old when the movie came out. But was there anyone here? who didn't really do what Alan Ruck did and who looks way too old to be a high schooler. I mean, it's, it's tough to say Josh Hartnett because, because he's got a built an excuse. Yeah. That, that's like the easy target, but he just, he kind of looks young. They all, he's fine. They, yeah. Yeah. They, the six, especially all look like their high school kids or close to it. Yeah. No one really, really stuck out to me. Certainly not Elijah Wood. I think he still looks like he could be in high school, you know? Exactly. (laughs) Oh, Frodo. (laughs) Yeah. So we'll we'll put an NA there because I really couldn't think of anyone either. I, I feel like we're a little bit more positive than what the critics have said, or even people like Rotten Tomatoes. It's 53% from the critics. 55% 55% from the audience. So, you know, that's like coin toss across the board. But on High School Slumber really? Party, yeah, but whatever. On High School Slumber Party, <laughs> we don't care. We rate things in an A plus to F scale, purely enjoyment and stuff like that. So on the A plus to F scale, what will you grade the faculty? Oh, man. Um, I'm going to give this a solid B. B. Interesting. So yes. I uh, I gave it a B plus. 
similar score there. I was actually thinking A minus, and as we talked about it, I was thinking of skewing A minus because I really, really enjoyed it. Here's the thing: why I think if you would have said A, I would have been like, I'm totally cool with that. Mm-hmm. Besides, for again, like little ticky tacky things, they're not huge things I have an argument with in terms of why I did not enjoy this film. I completely enjoyed this film. So this is a good movie. I would recommend this to, you know, anyone who's interested in this kind of things. You know what? I'm going to give it the A minus. I've convinced myself (laughs) because I love the high school elements of it. I love the ideas of cliques and people coming together. And uh, I mean, so I guess what are your final thoughts on the grade here uh, in terms of your B or whatever. I'm also going to give it a little bit more um, extra credit here. Just, just from the way you're speaking, I'm give it the B plus move it from B to B plus. There's a couple of things I've told you that just like have not aged well about this movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can't really hold that against the movie, how it was made in its time, but I want to compare it to some of the other movies I've seen that you've done on this podcast or other high school movies For that fair. I would clearly say S plus you know, like all, all straight across the board, A plus, S plus, whatever, like leaps and bounds better than this movie. But this movie is fantastic. And if the only thing I'm going to really take away from it is the fact that there's some things that haven't aged appropriately, I'm just going to knock a couple points off of it. It's still a really good movie. It's why I picked this. Like I said, I haven't seen this movie in probably a decade. And I still remember, like, I'm fairly certain I'm going to sit down and watch this movie and enjoy it. And, I mean, I have this movie on DVD. I like this movie a lot. This was a movie I enjoyed enough when I was in my 20s or early 20s, late teens, and and had and was starting to buy DVDs that I purchased this film because I enjoyed it. So I'm not going to take too many points away from it. I'm just not going to give it the, you know, the perfect day. You're right. Like, now I'm rethinking my things. Like, is this dazed and confused? No, you know? No. <laughs> of course. Nothing like that. But it is still a pretty awesome badass film that again i really really liked and i'm curious to see what other people think uh i'm definitely going to ask around and see their opinions on it because i was really surprised when i saw those not too great scores on rotten tomatoes but who knows who knows yeah fuck them um so yes (laughs) so next question sleeping bag uh every week i ask my guests if they had to create a theme sleeping bag with a movie what would it look like so dan duke what does your faculty sleeping bag look like? I have two. Can I bring two sleeping bags? You can bring as many sleeping bags as you want, but two is great. All right. My first sleeping bag is a big thumbs up, missing fingers, bandages, eye patch, John Stewart, smiling with a donut in his hand at the end of the credits of the movie, and a big old title card that just says the faculty on it. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> that is number one. I'm glad you mentioned that because I forgot to mention that. <laughs> oh yeah, man, those those end credits are funny. The the toxic couple get a credit nod. Yeah, yeah. So number two, and this is this is going off of something we brought up earlier. So as I told you, my high school currently does not have a mascot. So yes. I'm gonna throw it out there right now. I want a sleeping bag, Pascac Valley Hornets. Ooh, combination. I like it. You're probably not going to offend too many people with the Hornets, right? No, no, definitely not. I know yellow for, I mean, I mean, what, what colors were they in this movie? They were like red, right? They had, they definitely had yellow too. Yeah, red and yellow. All right. Well, we're green and white. I think Hornets could be green and white. So I want a green and white Hornets logo, Pascac Valley High School Hornets. That's the other sleeping bag. Powers that be, listen to this man right now. Boom, make it happen. <laughs> 
I mean, I love it. Both love both those sleeping bags. Um, this though might be my favorite question I ask my guest every week. If you and I are having our great slumber party with your two sleeping bags, and we're in the magical blockbuster in the sky that rents any movie in the existence of space and time. Not movies that haven't come out yet. Oh, I guess if you want, but don't ruin it like that. But any movie <laughs> in space and time to ever exists, and we get up to the counter, we, we have the faculty in our hands, and we see, oh, there's a sale. Rent two movies, get one free. And I say, dude, go back, get two movies. We're, we're making this a triple feature tonight. What two movies are you bringing to this slumber party? My question for you then is, do, do you prefer like really good sci-fi or do you prefer really crappy sci-fi? <laughs> oh, it doesn't matter to me. All right. Well, my hope is that you would be a fan of either because either I want to go back out and grab like Terminator and Terminator 2 Judgment Day. Ooh, nice. Do like a nice double feature or maybe like go back and, and grab some like like this, this borderlines some moments of like campy. Like go back and grab something like super campy sci-fi. Grab like Children of the Corn. Nice. Oh gosh, um, Pumpkinhead or yeah, you know the Terminator movies are are a good thought, but I think like really crappy horror yeah, movies. I'm with that, you on that. I think I think that's the way to go. That's a so good you're saying... slumber party. I agree. So, Children of the Corn and Pumpkinhead. Uh, let's let's go Children of the Corn and Jason X. Jason X, nice. <laughs> Jason, let's watch Jason in Space together as well. That sounds like <laughs> technically a high school film. I've been told <laughs> it is technically a high school <laughs> film. Hey, man, you want to you want to have me back? Let's do it. Hey, I mean, I. I... Definitely, that would be <laughs> that would be fun. I love that piece of heart garbage. I love that garbage movie. It is so garbage. <laughs> I mean, also sounds like a really fun slumber party, and, and I'm glad you brought that up too. Like this film does have very campy moments, but they're acknowledged and it knows what it is and it pays homage to it, and I love it. So I think it, I think the campy way is the way to go. All right, so this was a blast. It was great having you on as a first-time guest. You've booked yourself for Jason X, so you'll be back, don't <laughs> worry, <laughs> whenever we get around to that. So if you want them to, where can people follow you, find you? This is the, this is the time where you let people know what's up in, in your world and stuff. I am a guest host on many different other Cage Club uh, podcast circles, um, networks, and podcasts, so you can, you can find me popping up all over the place all sorts of different people on these networks and if you want to see some interesting chalk art and or really cute pictures of my daughter or pictures of my animals because i love my animals as well or pictures of my all and my wife my wife my daughter and my animals all being cute and some chalk art crap you can find me on instagram at danny dukes 25 awesome it was great having you on what kind of animals do you have? I have a, uh, a dog and two cats. Nice, nice, cool. Well, always love. Again, we appreciate the animal lovers here. Sorry that a rat had to die today <laughs> on our discussion of the faculty. But, I mean, in the end of the day, awesome talking this movie with you. And, you know, we'll hear from you soon at some point for whatever. If it's Jason X or something else, whatever. <laughs> love, to ha- love to have you back on. Thank you so much for having me. This was an absolute blast, my friend. Thank you.
Dan the Duke Hayden and the song playing is Class of 99, Another Brick in the Wall, Part 2, off the Faculty Soundtrack. Big thank you to the Duke. That was an awesome episode. I'm so glad you got to finally hear it. Can't wait to have him on again. Shout out to him out there. He's an awesome dude. Just keep your ears pierced. He might be on podcast radio waves sooner than you think. That's all I'm going to say. Anywho... We have homework for next week to discuss, don't we guys? And that is, of course, another horror film, and another horror film from kind of the same era. My guest next Monday will be Danny Kim. We had him on before. We're going to have him on again. A real healthcare hero, but more importantly, a good friend of mine. Well, I don't know if that's more important. (laughs) That's a really selfish thing to say, but he's a good friend of mine. And he's someone who went to high school with me. We're going to have some great stories, and we're going to talk Final Destination. I got this feeling. It's a weird feeling. The cabin starts to shake, right? And and the, the left side blows up, and then the whole plane just explodes. The plane's going to explode! It's not a joke! It's not a joke! We get thrown off the plane all because Browning has a bad dream? I saw it. The plane! It's gonna blow up! It's gonna blow up! All 287 passengers are feared dead. Because of you, I'm still alive. In death, there are no accidents. Incidences and no escapes. Did it happen again? Did you see Todd die? What if it was our time? What if we were not meant to get on that plane? What if there is a design that it's not finished? By walking off the plane, you're cheating death. You have to figure out when it's coming back at you. What are you, God, now? He knows which one of us is next. You have a responsibility to tell me. I knew I should have hit on Tammy in the pool that time. I'm gonna let it happen, okay? Uh. Nobody has control over life and death. Unless they are taking lives. And causing death. Can you promise me that no one else is going to die? Get out! I'll see you soon. That's going to be a fun one for Monday, and I promise you, a really, really crazy story is going to come out of that. Well, I think it's crazy. <laughs> you want to check that out wherever you get your podcast, but of course, on the mothership, cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me. And remember, guys, life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop to look around once in a while, you could miss it. I leave you with, well, I have to, another Van Halen song, R.I.P., the great one, Eddie Van Halen. And what other song would I leave you with on High School Slumber Party? Hot for teacher. 
Happy Halloween season, guys. Still here? It's over. Go home. Go.